0: You're listening to the Ame Radio Show. Yay! Welcome to the show, everybody. How are you guys doing? Well, I'll tell you what—I've had a pretty cool couple weeks, and it has been kind of nonstop ever since. But nevertheless, I'm having a blast, and I'm here, glad to be here with you guys once again. But let me kind of tell you what's been going on. I actually had a little bit of a break about two weeks ago when my friends came down from New Hampshire and New Jersey. Now, I actually expected them to come down one week and then the other one coming down the next week, but I kind of screwed up and found out that they were both coming down on the exact same weekend. So I took off, and we stayed the night in Orlando, and I got to spend the first night, Friday night and Saturday morning, with my friend Dennis. And I've known Dennis since first grade, so it's been well over 30 years since I've met him. And it's so great to see his family. I love his kids. They're just an amazing Group of people, and um, we got to go. We got to go basically close down Magic Kingdom with them Friday night. It was a lot of fun. We got to see some fireworks and all kinds of fun stuff, and I got to ride some of the rides with their with their kids. And you know, I know it's not a lot of time, and I really wish I could have a couple of weeks with them, but I will take whatever I can get because it is very special to me, and I treasure it very much. And I put some of those pictures up that we did on uh, Twitter and my Facebook page. So go check that out if you get a chance. But we met them again to before they left. Yeah, at Epcot the next day, so we had a lot of fun with them there as well. And then we, uh, we met up with my friend Glenn, Debbie, and their daughter, Ashley, now you've seen Ashley in some of our television shows because she's been doing a lot of amazing things out there. Now she's been doing a lot of plays and uh, a lot of fun stuff. And we got a chance to hang out with them. We got to go on the test track. We got to go on Mission Space. We got to go through the 2017 uh, Flower and Garden Expo at, at Epcot. Had a great time. Those guys are amazing people. I love being able to spend time with them. They kind they help inspire me as well, and so many different things. And they've been they have been actually a pretty good hand in some of the things that I've been doing. And then this week, I got to go see the father-daughter brunch. Now, I'm the photographer for it, and I did over 200 pictures in about three hours. It is nonstop, go, 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 but it's a lot of fun. I get to see some of these girls growing up since they were in kindergarten. And now I saw one of them that I did originally in 2003. She is in eighth grade, and she is leaving. So, it's just amazing how time flies and i get to i get to watch them grow every single solitary year it's a lot of fun and now i got to do all these i got basically i deliver the photos when i'm done to the school so we don't have to do shipping costs or anything like that and it is amazing that school ends actually almost 2 weeks earlier this year so i'm like oh wow i got 2 weeks to basically edit 200 photos so i got to get as they say in frosty the snowman busy 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 but I love it. I love doing what I do, and this is such a, a, a treat for me. Also, uh, we have our website. If you want to go check out our website, it's com. You can check it out anytime you want to 365 days a year seven days a week 24 hours a day it is completely free we do not charge any subscriptions we want you to go get inspired by things so if there's something up there that you've missed a a guest that we've had on our show um see who who we have coming up on the show check out any of our adventures from our television show see what we got on our magazine go check it out it's there all the time for you we just want you to be inspired also, if you're on Facebook, we're on Facebook, too. It's facebook.com forward slash the AME experience and Twitter, which is at Dowd Studios. Now, you can ch- you can, if you hear anything on our show, you want to get any feedback, you, you want to get in touch with me really fast, that's the best way to do it, which is Twitter because I'm always on it. It kind of flags me every time I get a new, a new tweet. So check me out there. So if you hear anything on the show, give me some feedback. I want to hear from you. Okay, so let's see here. We got some news that I want to bring up before we get to our guest. We have Richard Simmons, who finally came out and has kind of given us a little insight of what has been going on the last three years. Now, we do know that we've heard some rumors that he's transitioning into a woman. He had a mental breakdown. His health is very frail. From what I understand from his own words now, that is completely false, and he's actually— considered doing, not only considered, but has filed a lawsuit against his former assistant who's been, I guess, blackmailing him, selling false information and all the kind of rumors to the Inquirer and all these other types of uh, tabloid papers which is terrible to do so i don't you know basically the guy's trying to deframe his character which is terrible uh so i wish richard all the best and i hope that he gets this settled and that he can come back out and enjoy the people that he loves the most because i know richard simmons is not happy without people around him that's just not who he is so one more thing before we get to our guest today this is what i'm going to be talking about called robin hood and I was driving to work today, and I heard a student say he adores Robin Hood. He is the hero because he steals from the rich, the, the oppressive people, the people that get out there and have these big corporations, and he gives it back to the people that have basically nothing. And that's why he has no problem with the way that we are taxed and the way that we are attacking and regulating big businesses today. Well, I don't know if he realizes what Robin Hood is all about. And I'm going to explain what Robin Hood is all about in case you haven't known already. Robin Hood, yes, he did steal from the rich and gave to the poor. However, you, don't know, you may not know the whole situation. Robin Hood did not steal from corporations. He did not steal from people that go out there and earn and have put risk on the table in order to benefit themselves and profit from that. There's nothing that he did against that. What he stole from was the government. Now, how could he be stealing from the government? Hmm. Well, he stole from Prince John and he stole from the sheriff of Nottingham, who was the tax collector. He would come by and if you had two cents in your pocket, he would take at least one of those cents and leave you with nothing. And he gave it to the Prince John, who didn't need it, didn't earn it. He was just the monarchy. And this happens in many, many societies today. If you are in a socialist society, they take from the rich and distribute it across the a land. So therefore, the rich stay poor, the poor stay poor. And the only people that I've ever seen in a socialist society that are filthy rich are the government. This is the same thing that was happening here. So he decided to go and take the money from the people that did not deserve it, which was our government, their their government, and gave it back to the people who earned the money, who had nothing left because the government took from them. I think we really need to learn why these stories were important back then and why people decided to fight against the monarchy and the and the communism and the socialism out there because it doesn't work. Now I don't like to get out into a lot of politics and This I'm trying not to make too political because really what it is, it's an interpretation of a story. So what this kid was saying is you don't have the right to get out there and work and keep the money that you earn. You can't do that. If you have more than your abundant need, you must it back to everybody else. Willingly or unwillingly. And unwillingly is taxes. And that's why he had no problem watching this happen. But like I said before, he did not understand the story he took from the government who took from the people and gave it back to the people, which is what we should be doing now. It, it, we should not be envious of who is more successful than somebody else because we are all in this world together. You know, It's okay to fail. It's okay to succeed. Nobody should be penalized for succeeding. However, you're not you're not penalized for failing. Yes, you feel a little bit worse than maybe the guy that succeeded, but that's but you're going to get a different type of reward. You're going to learn from that particular mistake or that particular action that you did that may not have been a mistake but just may not have worked. And it's those that are able to overcome those particular lessons that will give them the ability to become rich and successful in their own right. If you work for something you have every right to any bit of money that you you earn from it. Now, if you take it by stealing and manipulating and doing horrible things to people, then yes, you may have that richness for a while, but believe me, it will not last long. And that's what we tend to forget. So with this particular story, what I want this kid to understand is you got to learn who they're taking from. You got to realize that what happens if you decided to get out there and work really, really hard, and then somebody comes in and just takes everything that you have away and gives it to other people? If you really think that socialism works, please take a look at some of these countries that are socialist. The poor are, are still poor. The rich are poor. The ones that are working really hard are poor, and they are now common with everybody else. They have nothing to live for but to help everybody else through their hard work and efforts. They have to work 90 hours so somebody else doesn't have to work at all. And then on top of it, the only people that are filthy rich are the government, the ones that take the money and redistribute it. They don't redistribute all of it. They redistribute some of it, and they keep more than half of it. Think about that. All right, guys, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have on the line Angela Shelton, the director and producer of Heart Baby. So don't go anywhere. having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czar's. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them.
1: Hi, this is Serena Palmer. You can come see me at the Shaw Festival and
0: Dancing in Lunisa and Andrew Cleves in the Line until October 15th. Visit shawfest.com for more info. Hi, this is Ashley Scott, and you're listening to AME Radio. Welcome to the show, everybody. I have on the line with me a very special guest. Her name is Angela Shelton. She is the director and the boss of the movie Heart Baby, which is a really interesting uh, topic here that I've been, I've been reading about. Give us a little bit of, a little bit of insight about the movie.
2: Oh, gosh. Okay. Heart Baby is a true story about a young black man named George Lee Martin, who at the age of 18 got a 40-year sentence for robbing a house. And while he was inside, he became a boxer. Go figure. And he was undefeated and nobody could knock him out. And with the help of his corner man and best friend, the white singer-songwriter guy named Doc, so Doc and George are best friends, With the help of him, literally, George was undefeated, and his word started to spread outside of the prison system to the free world, and all these coaches started hearing about him and sending in champs, including John Tate. If you're a boxing fan, you find out in this movie what ruined John Tate's career that nobody knew about. And the Olympics had been watching George and offered him freedom in order to fight and win the gold for the U.S. in the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles, and he said, no, I ain't going. And the movie is about why he stayed in, He chose to stay in prison instead of going for, to be free and, and win the gold for the U.S. And it's stunningly beautiful, and I love it so much. And all I can say is, hard, baby.
0: <laughs> so where did you find out about him? How did you learn about his story?
2: I actually am very good friends with Doc, oh. his best friend, who um, served a 27-year sentence. Um, and he, had, he was on the speaking circuit speaking about prison reform. And I was on the speaking circuit. Basically, my speech that I I still do is stop raping kids. Go yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's really simple. I make it kind of funny and palatable. And so I was on the, the speaking circuit. And he, he was on as well with his wife talking about prison reform. And we became really good friends. And we were up drinking one night talking about prison stories. Because when you're hanging out with Andy, you get prison stories nonstop. And I was like, tell me another one, Andy. And he tells me this one about George. And I literally could not stop crying. And it's about his, his best friend, George, who passed away. So he thought. And he lost touch with them. And then they were best friends. He told me this whole story about it. He turned down the Olympics. And I literally could not stop crying. And I was like, Andy, that is a movie. That is a movie. And he goes, it is, Angie. It would be a great movie. But only you could do it. And I was like, really? Seriously? Sign here. I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I will. And he's like, I know you will. That's why I I said you would do it. I know you would. So we started making the movie. We are in pre-production, right? Trying to find George's death certificate for my E&O insurance policy. Can't find his death certificate. Hired a PR, a, a private eye, and found him. Wow. And so... George thought Andy was dead, Andy thought George was dead, and so they're reunited at the end of the movie, and just just in time, so that I could put them both in the movie. It is, and you find out at the end, you see, there, like, you find out the big reunion at the end of the movie, and you literally, if, if there's a dry eye at the end of this movie, you are
0: dead inside. So <laughs> <laughs> so did, like, you, so did yeah. Doc help you write this movie, along with it? I mean, how did you guys come up with the concept for the movie itself?
2: Um, I am a writer so no I mean I would I really I just sit and listen to all his stories and i I created this whole story because I mean it took place in like 13 prisons so I had to condense it to three prisons over the period of you know eight years and so that would that's my craft and my expertise what I Utilized him for is to make sure and that's why we have the hashtag convict approved Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that every single thing from the uniforms to every fight The chow hall every single thing was convict approved and so he was very much involved in in checking The the script and also he was on set the whole time Checking literally everything of how the shanks were made and everything so That that movie is convict approved because they said that when they get to see TV and movies inside Mm -hmm. And they'll always be like, oh, my God, that's such a bunch of bulls. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. That's, you know, that's crap. It it's doesn't happen that way. And so this one is literally it happens this way. We made one mistake that we all caught and we're like, oh. But it's like the audience will never pick up on it ever. It'll just be convicts who see it. we're like, actually, they would not have had their billy club in that scene. And we're like, oh. You know what I mean? But it's right. like, it's just I'm so detail oriented. So little teeny details like that. I want to make sure that it's all taken care of. So we made one mistake. Who cares? It's fine.
0: Yeah, and if nobody's <laughs> really going to realize it, it's not going to be that. It's not going to epically change the movie or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. There's like literally she has her Billy Club in the ring and she wouldn't have had it. That's it. But what's really amazing is that he got 40 years for robbing a house. I mean, what did he take from there? I mean, I've seen people that have robbed millions of dollars not go to <laughs> uh, jail that long. I mean, was it just because he was black? Is that pretty much what it comes down to, the civil rights back in that time of year? Oh, it was 1978. I think it was technically the
2: bitch. It was.
0: It's called the th-
2: the three strikes you're out. Way was still existed way back then. It was called the bitch, and he robbed a. Um, well, he was accused and he was very young of robbing a purse, which he did not do. The second time he got a, robbed a bike, which he did do. He stole a bike, so he was on the record. And so then when he robbed this house, not armed, by the way, when he robbed this house, he was technically third strike, black man, 1978. You're out of here. I got you. But then there's a whole other discussion here about private prisons, how it's actually a moneymaker, how actually like that's a, you know, I hope that people go and they talk about this at dinner afterwards, like, hmm, that doesn't really make sense. And it's like, and then there's another cellmate of his that got 50 years for possession of narcotics. Wow. Like, what? Like, you know what I mean? And then the real criminals, like a child molester who raped twenty-seven kids in the movie, got four years. Uh-huh. Four,
0: four. That's disgusting.
2: Yeah,
0: it really is disgusting. I, I mean, our, our our criminal system is completely jacked up. I mean, I don't trust our, our our system anymore. Unfortunately, you know, I've seen terrible things happen to me, and they get and they walk. You know, I've had my artwork stolen. Even though I could prove it, they gave it to the person who stole my artwork. And I lost rights to my own photo. I mean, I don't trust the. I don't trust the judicial system. I don't trust anything anymore. And that's a real sad thing that we're in a. We're in a time where this is happening, but maybe I actually
2: have to say on the long with that
0: along that line, I have now am friends with some convicts.
2: It's actually not PC to call them that. They're, the PC term is uh, returning citizens. So I'm friends with a lot of them, and I trust them more than people on the outside. I believe that like they're they're more that's heart like every time George fought he would go heart baby heart baby and all the prisoners would go heart baby and it's like literally a man you're a man of your word you you honor your your brotherhood and mean, like this movie is totally about brotherhood and right. friendships and what you would do for each other and I trust them with my life I honestly do and then you meet people and like you go on Hollywood meetings
0: and you're like oh my god it's a bunch of criminals <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right
2: <laughs> <laughs> they should be in jail
0: <laughs> so, um, when he actually boxed, did they build a ring for these guys to box inside the inside the jail, or was it just like right on the concrete in the middle of the the, the cafeteria? Just go at it. It was totally set up, and they, and the warden made a lot of money. Oh, I'm sure. So,
2: because you would bet on them, you know, and so they would bring in champions to fight George, and there was always Friday night fights. So there was a whole ring. I mean, it was the real deal. There was the dressing rooms. There was, you know. It was, it was the real deal. And with George, you just made a ton of money on him. ton of money on him.
0: Sure. That was like and almost she, a Muhammad Ali at your disposal, you know? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, and his best friend, Doc, was also the bank. Mm. So
2: he was like, you'd take bets and you'd bet on, you know, Doc. Doc made George a lot of money and made himself a lot of money because he, like, basically was George's, you know, manager. Well, and it's when, when George turns down the Olympics doc literally had this crisis of faith because doc is a devout catholic Mm -hmm. which i find so interesting in prison like this is actually this is kind of it's a christian movie i hate to tell you oops sorry (laughs) um and the audience that the they're really loving it and they coined the phrase this is christian realism because it's it's violent, it takes place in prison. There's definitely like every other word is a curse word. I mean, you're in prison. What am I going to be like? Oh, you knucklehead! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's like be yourselves, guys. And yeah, so it's pretty violent. It's got a lot of cursing, but it's all it's all for a reason. It's not gratuitous. It's not just violent to be violent. There's definitely a reason for it. And, and going back to how I wrote the screenplay, like I wanted to, my idea of this story was a thousand page novel. Mm. So that, ev- like, the, fa- the fabric of this prison is really the fabric of our world that we live in, all aspects from love, hate, desire, um, fear, doubt, and worry, and joy and bliss, all within this fabric of these four walls that you literally, as the movie proceeds, you forget you're in prison. Because it's beautiful. I, I, I want it to be the most beautiful prison movie you've ever seen. Because when you have brotherhood and friendship and love, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's really, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that it's it's really a pretty, pretty movie. And you're like, why is it so pretty? I'm like, because usually prison movies are cold and blue and stark. Yeah. And this way back in the 80s, where they were able to have TVs and fans and coffee makers and all kinds of stuff in their cells that was like little apartments. So I took advantage of that, like as far as the color theme went. It's like it was like, it's all colorful. And it's, I don't know, I just love this movie on so many levels.
0: (laughs) Did you get to actually tour a prison to, to kind of get an idea of what it was like or anything like that? Or did you just hear from other people?
2: Uh, not only that, we shot in three prisons. One was working prison, and two had just been shut down in just in September, and we shot in January, so it was freshly cleaned, not 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 clean at all. And so we were in prison, and it was that was pretty rough. Like all of us got sick. It was very very depressing, and it was like it, talk about as an actor because I am definitely an. Actors, director, because I'm acting myself, and I just I was like, "All right, get in there. I'm gonna lock your ass in there.
0: Let's <laughs> have some fun with it, make it <laughs> real."
2: But she's sit in there for a while, <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, it was intense. I think the actors really actually appreciated the fact that we were in the
0: real deal. We were not on a stage. Yeah. Oh, that that definitely brings a realism to it, so they can get more into the role. And they can feel what these people are going through, even if they didn't technically have ever been in jail. This will give them a new insight into that, and you know that makes it real. That's what that's what's important with with movies. It's very real, and this movie is one of those like if you've
2: traveled outside of Los Angeles or New York, you'll understand it. Sure. Because I've noticed like people who literally have not don't know America and haven't been outside of America. I'm like, hello, there's a whole world between LA and New York. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, because from the bikers to the killers to all these like people, all the the Nazis in there that are actually called the Aryan Nation, like it, you can understand them. they you're like that's my uncle. That's my that's my you know Coach Billy Bob or whatever. You know you recognize people. Sure. Whereas like I've noticed like some people in the cities are like, wow, that was like there's really people like that. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like, yeah, uh, go on a road trip. That's right. So out? where's your movie actually airing uh, in the next couple of days? I know it's actually airing this week here uh, at the uh, couple of premieres. Where is it premiering at? Uh, Newport
2: Beach Festival Friday night at fi- in California, Newport Beach, California at 545. It's sold out. Sorry. Oh, that's, that's pretty uh, cool. And then sat- Saturday morning, I-, I jump on a red eye and I go to Iowa. Right after our screening in Newport. And then I go to Iowa for the Saturday morning at 11.45, I think it is, in Dubuque. And then it plays at on Sunday morning at 9.30, which I think is awesome because it totally is go to church. Like, come to church. Skip church and go to see this movie because it is going to church. Oh, i said it out loud.
0: No, um... What type of uh, distribution do you have set up? Do you have anything set up? Is it going to be on uh, Video On Demand? Is it going to be on, like, Roku? Is it going to be on uh, Netflix? Do you have any uh, DVD plans?
2: I, I have a distributor. They're called North North of Two. It's a smaller distributor company. He was with Paramount for 14 years and started his own company. Mark Cartier. Love him. And I met him. I met all these distributors. And I met him, and he just totally got it. Because he got, like, he's, like... We take it on the road. It's like prisons and churches. We're doing a whole like little event tour that's leading into a theatrical release that'll happen. It looks like late October, early November.
0: Interesting. Well, that's oh, really cool because I mean, sometimes I see a lot of people. They do these great movies, but they have no other way of seeing it unless you go to the pr- premieres and and stuff, and, and or the film festivals. And I'm like, well, that's that's kind of limiting yourself. So I'm glad you're able to, to work that out. So more people will, will be able to get it later on. Oh, we're gonna go. We're gonna literally come to you.
2: Because the thing, it's kind of like, I don't know if you remember my documentary year, years ago. Like, it, it, this movie creates a community. So it's like, we're. that's why we discuss, like, community events. That's why, I like, my brain and his brain, from a distributor side, I was like, oh! we, we totally get each other. Of like, bring the movie to the people. And it's not just a movie. This is a, literally a discussion. It's it's going to church. It's talking about prison reform. It's talking about transgender. Because what, what does that even mean? Because, like, in the 1980s, they were had a hard time getting their head wrapped around being gay openly not let alone transgender and there are transgender specifically one that's on the poster her name's crystal she uh, was a transgender cellmate who her she came from a very 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 rich family that literally erased her and they put her in prison her and a cousin so it's literally like hello it's in your genes people her her and her cousin um, were put away for life in prison with trumped up charges in order to get rid of them, just like way back in the 1800s you know if you're if you're if you're talking back to your husband, he puts you in a loony bin, gives right. you a lobotomy, same difference, you know what I mean they're like, oh, I can't wrap my head around what this person is. Her name was Timothy, and she acquired the name Crystal, and she got life in prison simply because her parents were crazy rich and connected and literally just wrote a check. Wow. Oh. Yeah, wow. So it's like that. So we're doing a whole series of events where we honor transgender people. And, and like we see you because she wasn't not only was she not seen, she was actually erased. They created a fake name for her in prison that I looked up and I had the prison number and everything. And then we started making the movie and you go back to the site and it's not there anymore. Wow. You know what I mean? You're like, you. Like, it's just one of those like, oh,
0: my God. Seriously? Is she still in jail? She died.
2: She died. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She, oh, it's, yeah. Oh my God. So funny. I'm holding my little, uh, that's so funny. I'm holding my little, um, thumb drive and it says transcend. <laughs> How great is that? That's pretty so cool. That, that's what this movie does. It like transcends those. Oh, I hope, I hope that's what it does for the people who've seen it so far. It transcends to new discussions. And let's talk about it. And let's talk about brotherhood. Like straight men are by far the biggest fans of this movie. And they've said, and they're like they they had a hard time wrapping their head around that I made it. Like this skinny, funny white girl from this from North Carolina, you know, told 250 men what to do. And once they see it, and once you know me, you're like, oh, of course she made that movie. Of course she made that movie. And, uh, and it's just like Andy, who's Doc, he's like, only you can do it. Because I, I can see why he said that. Because I kept the heart in it, you mm-hmm. know? And But the men love it because it's about brotherhood. Right. And they said that we don't get brotherhood movies unless it's a war movie or it's a comedy. And here we have this, like, real brother. Like, the movie really is, like, what would you do for your best friend for real? Sure. Like what would you sacrifice for them and what would you do for them? And really, do you really love? And all these men, like a total brotherhood, because women have a different sister than brothers. Men have this like freaking like brotherhood that is fascinating to me and I just love it. I want to write about it and I do consistently. But I'm like, wow, like sisters, like they'll cut you. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I'm speaking the truth. (laughs) <laughs> but brothers like man that's a there's something powerful about real
0: brotherhood and that's what this movie is truly well we got about two minutes left so tell everybody how they can find out more about the movie maybe there's a website or something they can find out more about you as well
2: yes there's heartbabythemovie.com is all the information there's videos there's screening dates and everything and then if you want to fall down the rabbit hole you can go to Shelton.com, but good luck with that <laughs> But definitely sign up for our emails on, on heartbabythemovie.com because I have I personally send out updates to let you know what's going on. It's not a machine. It's literally
0: me. So sometimes I spell things wrong, blah, blah, whatever. She'll cut you. <laughs> well, Angela, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful story and, and wonderful interview with you, and, and I, I cannot wait to see this movie when it does come out so I, I could see it.
2: Yeah, come to Dubuque
0: maybe I can.
2: Where are you? I'm in Tampa. Uh, I will bring this, I will bring it to your backyard.
0: Awesome. How about that? That would be awesome. Well, thank (laughs) you once again, and I I wish you all the best, and hopefully these, uh, the the premieres go wonderful for you.
2: Thank you, you too. Get that, start doing more artwork.
0: I will. Awesome. Alright, guys, we will be right back after this. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends. Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd. And his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs>
1: Hi, this is Dina Martin, and you're listening to my new album, Swing Street. You can get it at dinamartin.com, Amazon, of course, any place where you can get a digital download. Go on to iTunes, but I know you're going to love it. And thank you for listening to me on the radio.
0: This is Andrea Tantaros from the Fox News Channel and author of the new bestseller, Tied Up the Knots. You're listening to AME Radio. And this time we are talking to a very special lady. She's very smart, and she actually believes a lot of the stuff that I've been preaching about for a long time. Her name is Dr. Susan Edelman, and she is the author of a book called Be Your Own Brand of Sexy, A New Sexual Revolution for Women. And today we're going to be talking about body shaming, which is, uh, I hope, something that people will realize that this is a serious problem going on in our country right now, especially how we portray Human bodies, not mostly women. It's not even so much the men as it is the women, and I think it can really harm a generation. So, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Well, this is a lot of fun. You know, it's hard to it's hard to get a a straight answer from from a guy's perspective because when I talk to guys, like, oh, you got to make them as sexy as possible, you know, and they're and they're a lot more critical about how a woman's body is. But people forget that there's two versions of. Beautiful. There's the inside and there's the outside, but sometimes we take the outside and shame it to the point where we get we lose what really what real beauty is. And I have always, like I was telling you before the interview here, we were talking about um, I do pho- I do photography and I see a lot of women and they're like, well, I can't do this until I lose like five or six pounds, or you know, I need to have this done to myself before I can start to to be a part of this this project because it's not I don't feel like I'm hot enough I don't look like a model on a magazine but then I go and tell them well look there's a problem with that those people are digitally enhanced you're never going to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish unless you can physically get yourself stuck in a computer and enhance yourself that way so why are we doing this to ourselves why are we putting such a negative portrayal of beauty that's unobtainable that's
1: such a great and important question and I think I think it it's a few different things. I think when you begin to see everywhere how how other people look, whether it's magazine covers or television or movies you you get this image, and a lot of us tend to think, well, that's the way it should be that you know there must be something wrong with me if I don't look like that. We don't think this is made by television producers. Or you know, these companies want to sell me beauty products, so they want me to look to you know want to not be thrilled with how I look. But I think that the other piece of it is so it's so um, illustrated by this great story. The psychiatrist and anthropologist went to Fiji in the '80s um, to do anthropology research, and there they were into eating and. They had heavier bodies, and it was a compliment if someone said to you, hey, you gained some weight. It wasn't like here. (laughs) And then she went back in the 90s to do a study on the effects of television, because in 95, they had almost no TVs and no eating disorders. So within three years, they had television. 11% of the girls were purging. And then in 2007, 45% of girls were purging and uh, 25% of them had suicidal thoughts. So, you know, it's a different culture than ours. It's poorer, it's more agrarian, and they don't have the mental health treatment. But my goodness, that's a very short period of time to completely change a culture. We've been living in this kind of culture for a lot longer, so we've completely bought into it, a lot of us.
0: Yeah, we have. And, you know, when I was shooting with some of the models, I was they were like you know, maybe 110 pounds wet. And they're like, oh, I'm so fat. I got to lose weight. I'm like, if you lose any weight, you're gonna be. I could blow you over, you know. I mean, I do realize that there is a certain norm when you're doing like uh, fashion models and stuff like that. They're grotesquely under underweight, and I think that's because that they need to be able to fit the clothes onto them. But what about what about if they went to go get a job? If let, let's just say your daughter wanted to go become a model, and they said, okay, well you got to lose ten to fifteen pounds before we'll even consider you. And knowing that she's already that that light. What would you say to her? Because I mean, I think that that is not only affecting their health, but it also affects their state of mind as well.
1: I think confidence is so important to this whole picture because almost 60% of women are unhappy with how we look now. So that is not empowerment for women and and you can't be completely confident on a date or in a work situation or anywhere, if all you're focused on is oh, my thighs are too fat, you know, I need to lose weight, you know, these things are sagging in the wrong way or whatever, if, if how do you have sex and feel comfortable if you're not okay being naked? I mean, these things really affect us in some profound ways. So being able to feel good about how you look or at least accept how you look and I think you're so right about inner beauty being a huge part of this. It's like we don't care about inner beauty; we only care how we look on the outside.
0: And I think you said something very interesting about uh, the models on the on the magazines. You said that it's really kind of about selling products, and that really what is really what it comes down to. You know, they want to sell a product, and if their product doesn't look make them look like they're, you know, plastic, you know, it's not going to sell. And Money is a real deterrent for something like this, I'm sure. And I saw something about, I want to say it's about six years now, believe it or not, uh, with Twiggy. And she did this oil of the uh, tr- treatment that she was, that she was uh, promoting in a magazine. And she looked like she was no more than, like, in her early, early 40s. Now, everybody knows Twiggy, Twiggy's almost in her 70s. You know, to, so to sit there and take 30 years off of your age... It really puts up a, a red flag, and even Britain said, "Look, we're we're banning this. We're banning this ad because it's so it's so malicious, and and defraudulent in in the situation, Twiggies from from England. So, how do we? What what should we? What do we need to tell our kids about these particular products and about these particular uh, ads to make them realize that they're fine just the way they are? I mean, if they want to put on some stuff and make themselves feel a little bit better just by using it, it's fine. But how do we get them to not? make a make a um an obsession over this type of thing
1: i think the the tough part with the kids is the peer pressure so i think what you want to be doing with your kids is encouraging them to talk about the kind of pressures that they're under and help them love themselves for who they are so accepting your kids and and you know i is a big part of it because if you think about it, Jason, a lot of these mothers are modeling this kind of self-critical stuff for their kids, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, I need to lose weight, and those girls are listening to it. Girls are now on diets who are like 10 years old. I know. So probably their mothers are a part of that. So the more, you know, if the mothers will start to think about it differently, it will be easier for them to, to teach their children to be different as well.
0: Now, you've seen a lot of these shows on television, maybe like uh, Toddlers and Tiaras and all these type of shows. They really do up these girls that are like not even seven years old yet, and they have them airbrushed and make up to to the nines. I mean, how much flaws could they have on their body at that age that would require something like that? I mean, I don't even see sometimes the adults going through that type of, uh, you know, process what type what type of message are we sending if we support these type of shows
1: Unfortunately, I think that the message is clear. You know, you're supposed to reach some unattainable status of perfection that doesn't exist. And and the younger it goes, unfortunately, the more it becomes the norm because if you're 7 and you're exposed to that kind of thing. Then when you're 27, you're going to think that's perfectly normal. Unless someone's telling you, uh, I don't think that's a good role model for you. I don't think, you know, I don't think this is the way I want you to be. I want you to enjoy being a child and not feel like you've got to have the pressure to look good all the time. It's exhausting.
0: And I know that I've been watching women for a long time. You know, everybody in my family is pretty much a female, and I have a lot of female friends. And I realize that as they get older, they seem to attack their bodies more. And I, I don't know, you know, they, I've heard the old saying, like, you know, men get better with age, women go backwards, which I don't believe to, in, in, in any stretch of the means. Why, why have we gotten to this type of situation? And what can women do if they don't feel sexy enough? without going through the the barbaric processes of going through some serious surgery uh, that could possibly deform them for life?
1: Well, I'm a big proponent of women joining into a sisterhood where we realize we're all in this together, and we begin to redefine what beautiful and sexy are. So, you know, to focus on our inner beauty, to complain to some of these companies to try and get more women in media to portray more realistic and attainable images for women in movies. You know, if we had more female role models who looked more like every other woman looks instead of like these, you know, size zero movie stars, maybe we could begin to accept ourselves more. But I, I think... Unless we start to see this as a major problem that we need to address, it's, it's very hard to change it, but because unless women are going to stick together in this, and we're so polarized in our country over so many issues that, you know, I think we really want to see this as a woman's issue and not a political issue, that, you know, this is important for women's empowerment. This is not empowering for women to feel so critical of yourself and have it get worse as you get older because then you've got some wrinkles.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a really big problem. I mean, it can cause serious eating disorders. It can cause depression. Uh, it can even cause suicide in some cases depending on how badly people pick on somebody. And I've, I have seen quite a huge uh, change in that because I've been seeing like more like Sports Illustrated put on a plus-size model. You've been seeing a lot more plus size models coming out in the Sunday flyers and stuff like that. So it's it's like they're accepting more different more body types, which is important. Um, if somebody happens to be in this type of situation where they just don't love themselves for whatever reason it may be, and maybe they're glorifying sex to make this as a reason if you don't ha- if you if you're not having sex enough you're not beautiful enough or whatever like that. What can we do? Uh, how, how can they how can they identify the problem and help change that?
1: Well, I think you bring up an important point, you know, like, there's also pressure to be sexual. It's not just pressure to be sexy, but it's also pressure to be sexual in our culture. And so we've kind of convoluted the two things in a way, because really, empowerment for women is not how sexual you are. It's being treated well by a man. And empowerment for women is not looking good on the outside. It's about feeling good about yourself. So, these are not empowering messages at all. And I think the more we realize that empowerment is important to our inner lives and to all women um, in this way, the more we can try and break free of all this.
0: And as a guy myself, I mean, I don't necessarily always look at what the external beauty is. I kind of look at sometimes how women hold themselves. And, you know, you see the ones that are just like, you see them on the, 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 um, like the, the, uh, the housewives shows and stuff like that. To me, those are ugly, ugly people, because they have a self worth about themselves that is above and beyond everybody else. They put they put everybody below them. They're kind of like me, myself and I. And I think guys are looking for women that are more open, that you know are are able to make decisions for themselves and like making decisions for themselves, without saying no. This is the way it's going to be all the time, and I'm just going to go out and on heavy spending you know, sprees on stuff like that. And, you know, they carry themselves better. So how can... What type of attitudes should women have about themselves so they don't make themselves look like, you know, something like off of the the, the housewives of of uh, New Jersey or something like that?
1: Well, you know, I think some women want to do it to get a man, right? They think that men like that. And some men do like that. Yeah. It's true. So, but, you know, if, if that's the only... Only thing that's important about you in terms of getting a man, there, there's probably, you probably want a better fit than that to really have a good relationship with somebody. And having someone appreciate you for your inner beauty is huge in terms of having a relationship really work in a long term way. So I think that's one element. I think the other element is women competing with each other. And so I think we're driving a lot of this ourselves. By, you know, attacking celebrities like Lady Gaga or whoever, you know, we're, we're driving this. We're badgering our sisters to conform to things that are never going to be healthy for any of us. But I think that we don't realize that we're doing it even. It just seems so normal at this point. So the more awareness that we can bring to people, so thank goodness you're, you're, a man interested in doing this because I think there probably are a lot of men who also agree with this and um, but women don't necessarily know that right they think men all want them to be look, looking beautiful all the time
0: let's take a, a a fantasy situation here let's just say i'm a I'm a single father and I got a daughter and guys sometimes are a little bit intimidated with daughters and I don't know why but they are. Maybe it's because they don't know how they grow and develop as, as they do with themselves because we, we're used to that. So that's why we rely on the female mostly. But if I had a daughter and I wanted to try to keep her feeling good about herself and knowing what she should be expecting from a man as she gets older, what are some of the things that I could do to help her realize how important she is to the world, how important her her looks are and not looks are, and, you know, to... to to herself, but also be true to herself and look for a type of guy that I would want her to, to have when she gets older.
1: I think that's a great question. And I think that sometimes we think we need to make our children, our friends feel better with compliments about looks. And sometimes we end up drawing too much attention to looks when we do that, right? So, you know, I think that when you're complimenting someone and wanting, especially a child, wanting them to feel good about themselves, maybe the more you are complimenting them for something like an inner beauty thing, like that's really sweet of you and, you know, "You're you're such a kind person. And the kind of things that you know, they can definitely appreciate themselves no matter how they end up looking. And I think that sometimes we're focused a little too much on the looks because of the way our culture is. And that, I think, can help people a lot. They're also finding the research is, you know, that if you're telling your child they're really smart and uh, that kind of thing, then you're not necessarily focusing on how hard they work. And you know those are the kind of things that that you can give a child credit for. You're a hard worker, you know. You're you're doing a good job here.
0: So it's important for she me to try really to set hard, a good example but, for for her as me, how I'd want to portray myself and how I would treat women.
1: Yeah, and the, the things to be careful about the kind of things you're complimenting her on. Because, and to make sure you're giving her lots of feedback for the things you want her to value in herself. And I think the other way people get into trouble is um, women are people pleasers. You know, we're raised that way to try and please other people. And so a lot of times as parents, you know, we like that. We want our kids to maybe please us. But sometimes trying to help a child figure out what's right for them as an individual uh, can be, go a huge way to figuring all this stuff out, right? Because in a way, what we're all trying to do is please our culture because our culture is basically saying to us, well, you're no good the way you are. You're not lovable the way you are. So the more we can teach teach someone not to just please everybody else, but to really tune into what's right for them as individuals, the easier it's going to be for them to have the kind of core inner strength to be able to go, eh, how I look is not the most important thing. I don't have to please everybody. I'm never going to please everybody,
0: right? Right. So let's do a, a few minutes of your book before we go here. Uh, what made you decide to write this book, Be Your Own Brand of Sexy?
1: Well, Jason, I I have a really dear friend, and her one of her daughters went off to college and called me for dating advice, and she's like, Susan, the guys are asking me to come over and hang out. What does that mean? And I wasn't exactly sure, but it didn't exactly sound like a date to dinner and a movie. And as it turned out, a lot of these guys just wanted to hook up. I mean, that's really what was going on. And it was very disappointing for her. And also for me, because I thought college dating was so great, and she was missing out. And You know, this wasn't what we had in mind with the women's movement and the sexual revolution. We dreamed women would be treated better when we were seen as equals, not that guys were going to take casual sex for granted. So I felt so sad for her, and I felt kind of guilty, like my generation had kind of created this mess. And so when she said, Susan, you have to do something about this, I thought, well, maybe I can do that. I'm a psychiatrist. and." A single person, you know, I know a lot about this, so that's why I decided to write this book. And I had seen so many women in my practice struggling, you know, being taken for granted by men as well. So I thought, this is really an important book to write.
0: It is, and actually I've been kind of uh, breezing through it here a little bit to kind of get an idea, because I just got it on on Wednesday. So I haven't had a lot of chance to, to really read it yet, but it seems like you got a lot of great information out there. And what do you hope that women will take from this book after reading it?
1: Well, I hope that women will be able to see just how much they don't need to buy into all this, and to empower them to trust their own instincts, and and to develop their own intuition about what's right for them as individuals, and have the courage to stand up for that. And whether it's saying to a guy, well, I'm not into casual sex, or saying to themselves, I don't need to you know, buy into this thing about body size or saying to someone in the media, hey, these are not the images I want to see in the movies. I, I think this could be very empowering for women.
0: And what age group should people start uh, giving this book to um, their kids? Uh, is, is you know, what, what age would you say would be appropriate to start talking to them about the stuff in your book?
1: Well, you know, I think, college age girls for sure and uh, I've had people in their 70s tell me they really love this book. So I think it goes for women of all ages and I think it probably depends on the teenager. If you're in high school, some of them probably it would work but parents might want to you know read it to make sure they think it's right for their child. And also I think this is a really important book for mothers. Because I think a lot of mothers are sheltered from what's going on out there, and they don't necessarily know what their daughters are about to face when they are in high school or college.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I remember when I was in school, it was quite different. I mean, everybody seemed like they were hooking up with everybody, and it was just a, it was a big problem. You know? And I wasn't like that, unfortunately, so I got kind of pushed to the side a lot. But um, there is a lot of peer pressure out there, and it's, it, can be a, it can be a real tough, tough world out there for both men and women. And we time to you know, back in the eighties and nineties when we were in high school, it really wasn't that bad, but when you start to get into nowadays, it's like they're starting to put uh preschools and stuff into high school so the women can go to the, the the girls there can go to school and it's like, This is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. And um it's a sad it's a sad situation but I think that it can be changed if we if we bring people to realize that they have more self-worth, self-worth and they don't need to sleep with somebody just to have uh, some popularity.
1: I'm so glad you're bringing that up about the hookup culture because I'm really, really concerned about that. I, I think that um, we want to be making choices. We don't want to go from you know the old days where if you have sex before marriage, you're a tramp, to now if you're a virgin, you're a prude. We want to have liberation where people are choosing for themselves and we want it to be everybody that has a choice. We don't want it to be that if you don't want to hook up, you don't have anybody to hook up. You know, there's nobody to date.
0: Right. And that's that's very important. I think we need all need to look at that a little bit more, especially if we have kids in school. Um, you know, we need to we need to help them realize that they are better than what they can just put out with. <laughs> you know, it's what it's what they can give to the community, it's what they can give to their friends and stuff like that that really makes them worth more than, than anything else. So um, we are just about out of time. How can anybody? How can everybody get your book? And how can they find out more about you if they have questions?
1: So if they want to take my quiz to find out if they're being their own brand of sexy and doing what's right for them as individuals, they can go to my website, beyourownbrandofsexy.com. Or, or I'm also posting regularly on Facebook i got a blog every week, so I have all kinds of new information for people.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, sharing your sharing your book with us, and talking to us about the situation that I think we need to address more as, as a country and as a culture, and uh, maybe, maybe change it for the better in the future.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jason, and for all your efforts to change this. I think it's wonderful. Well,
0: thank you. The AMFM 24-7 Roku Channel broadcasts all of our shows on demand. To ensure reliability, we store and stream our content on the same servers as Netflix and Amazon. Our Roku Channel is free to use, and anyone owning one of the more than 10 million Roku devices can watch our channel at no cost whatsoever. If you have a television show or are thinking about producing a show, you can be a part of AMFM 24-7's Roku Channel watch our great shows on your roku device it's free and more reliable than cable tv having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czar's. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Welcome back, everybody. It is almost the end of the show. Believe it or not, we only got about two minutes left. But I hope you guys had fun with us today. I know we had fun with you. I know our guests were very excited to talk to you about what they have coming up. And I hope that they inspired you to get out there and try something new, try something different. You know, if we don't challenge ourselves and if we're afraid of the challenge, we will absolutely never succeed. There's no chance in succeeding unless you try. And you know what, They're really, the only f- good form of failure that is actual true failure is if you fail to try, because regrets are one of the worst types of failure you can have in your life. So that is about all we have. I would encourage everybody to go to uh, amfm247.com, check us out next, fr- next Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can hear it on that particular internet station, or you can check us out on any of the seven AMFM stations that they have across their network. You can also find us every Friday at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WKLAP.com It's an internet radio station, so check that out there. And we are on iHeart On Demand right now. All you have to do is go to iHeart There's a little search button up there if you don't already have a subscribed, and type in AME Radio Show. What's really cool is we post there actually a couple of days early before the show airs on the rest of the network. So if you are on iHeart, you are like a VIP and you'll be able to get this show almost a couple of days earlier than everybody else. Also, we have a website too, uh, a newsletter that you can sign up for on our website. Just go to the amemagazine.com forward slash radio and sign up and you'll never you'll see who we have coming up and you'll get the, the inside information right away. You can unsubscribe, unsubscribe anytime. All right, guys, that's all we have for this week. Keep those creative juices flowing. We will see you next week. Be safe. That's the We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down, okay? That's
1: it.